Alrighty, so uh, this is the uh, recap of Exalted Prince of the Universe Season 1. Uh, it's me, Devin, we got Nicole, and Kevin here in the house. Um, yeah. <laughs> For reference, um, Season 1 was run mostly in the leaked PDF, uh, which had more and less content in, content in it at the same time than the backer PDF that came out, just because of space and stuff. Yeah. Yeah, so slightly different character write-ups in the beginning, uh, which we moved on to for Season 2. Um, but, yeah, Season 1 was kind of how we introduced ourselves to all of our characters and uh, you know, kind of learned the base for them. So, in our last uh, introductory podcast, we talked about the Killer Queen and uh, the Majestic. Uh, Killer Queen being played by Kevin, the Majestic being played by Nicole, and their various allies and buddies. So, I guess in this one, we'll walk through the stories that we went through, uh, leading up to Season 2 starting. Uh, so what was the first session? What was the first bit we did? Um, we had Anthony as the Wanderer, right? Yeah, the first session, secret session was essentially introducing the Wanderer's, um, exaltation. Yeah, yeah, I remember it. We, we played as mortals, um... Well, I was running, but uh, we rewrote up Anthony's character, the Wanderer, as a mortal like hero that hung out in his village, and you guys played just random NPCs that lived in it, just introduced to the kind of the system and the combat, and see how it all went. And that, that went rather well, I think. Yeah, it was really fun, actually. Mm-hmm. You guys got super attached to them. Yeah, and then they died! And we just kind of grabbed um, write-ups from the antagonist section of the... Yeah, the uh, quick characters. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> So, uh, how that went then for the Wanderer is, um, he was just some guy who lived in a village that protected from bandits and stuff, and it was like a little garbagey village in the south that was next to a mountain, or like a little hill in the desert, and now uh, there's, what, like 30, 40 people in his village tops? Yeah, very few. Maybe 50, I think he said? Like, he basically just slept on their floor and did jobs for food. Mm-hmm. Wasn't really a villager there, he just hung around. Yeah. He's just the guy. Uh, so the the very bare bones of that story, not that I think it matters much to the overall arc of season one, but uh, the Nightman and some NPCs went into a little mountain tomb, because they had, they had an exorcist living there. And, the what did I say? You said Nightman. The Nightman? Yes. Jesus Christ. Uh, the Wanderer went into a little mountain uh, tomb, well, not a solar tomb, just like a, a place in the rocks where they buried their dead, because it was the desert, and some of the, the bodies of like a saint of theirs went missing. And it turned out one of those horrible wasps that lays eggs in corpses uh, got to it, and it's like Larva was moving the body around, and they had to fight it in, a, in an intro to the combat system. That was just just terrifying. It was really tense, actually. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and they succeeded and whatever, and we introduced the Nightman later on uh, in that day, because calibration was coming, so everyone was getting ready for a little festival nonsense. And the Nightman was a cloaked, mysterious traveler that didn't want to didn't want to deal with uh, the Wanderer. He was there on like a merchant caravan, like a little trader was coming through. Then he came alone. No, he walked with some he traders because the was Killer Queen. Right. Uh, he was basically alone, but there was also a merchant caravan at the same time. Right. Yeah, a bunch of the uh, cultists from uh, Queen's Cult were there to try and uh, convert the entire village. Exactly. For entirely benign reasons. Uh, so the Wanderer followed the Nightman out of the village to be like, hey, bro, we should fight, bro. And uh, when that didn't happen, uh, Wanderer came back to his village at nightfall to find Undead ripping it apart. 
um, led by the Abyssal Dawncast or whatever, ceaselessly falling devastation, and the Abyssal uh, Twilight Cast, what if it without? They were just uh, ripping that place apart. Yeah, you know, what if it without? You might remember him as the Killer Queen's ally. Yeah, he lives with them now. You know, he was there when his when the Wanderer's Village was exterminated. I find it funny how the Wanderer has more of a problem with the Countess than he does with the Wanderer, though. Considering. Yeah. <laughs> he gets out of sight, out of mind. <laughs> Basically, we just stuff him in the basement. <laughs> so it was a, it was kind of a big fight. Uh, the Wanderer was no match for CC Falling Devastation. Uh, but, you know, there was a cool Mortal versus Exile fight. Very ad hoc. He was doing pretty well. Like, he wasn't going to win, but he didn't die right away, so that was impressive. That was, that was encouraging. Yeah. And then he exalted, and there was a lot of him being able to do cutscene crazy stuff, like in every first level of every video game, <laughs> uh, before, you know, he, he was in essence one solar, and um, then, like, you guys just came to town eventually, because you were on your way anyway. The, the cult was an advanced vanguard for you just absorbing tiny villages along the way, exactly. building up momentum. Yeah, we kind of came in with supplies for the surviving, what, ten, ten villagers left? Yeah, like ten goddamn people, you know, most of them, uh, people who hid or were frail or whatever, clearing out all the bodies, getting rid of the undead and stuff, whatevs. Uh, during the cutscene fight with the, the Devastator, um, the Wanderer punched him so hard he got punched into the Underworld, because whatever cutscene powers, you first exalt, you have weirds, you know, apex stuff. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't care. Fuck. <laughs> he banished him. It was a really good banish brawl charm. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, af- after they basically just moved on from the village, you guys set up shop in, like, another tiny, crappy town that had a... It had an observatory in it. Yeah, yeah we right. we went there because there was an observatory and it was advanced and stuff. Because you guys, when, when we did the exaltation for all your characters, you all have memories of a, of a twin-peaked mountain in the desert where all your shit was. Yeah. Yeah. Right, now I'm remembering this. So you thought the observatory for some reason would be, uh... Because there was, like, a lore master there, or a sage, or something like that. Right, yeah, the Wonder mentioned he knew, uh, in character, that there was an old sage who might know of such a location, so... We went there. Yeah, um, you also met the Nightman while you were walking there to the Wanderer's village, and you, you sent a spy to tail him. Yeah. Um... So, what was it? You guys got to the desert village where that little man's observatory tower was that the old man was in. Mm-hmm. And the old man was like, I'm not going to do dick for you until you rescue my daughter from brigands. The horrible brigands. Slavers. And, and at this point, I just ripped off Tella's story from Final Fantasy IV. <laughs> like, just completely. Um, and yeah, the old man was lying. You know, his his daughter or whatever ran off with, a, with some shitty musician guy from Chiroscuro. And then these guys showed up, you know, all exalty and stuff, and destroyed his boat and, like, beat up all his crew members, and we're going to beat him up. And he's kind of a coward, like Edward is in uh, FF4. In fairness, we didn't kill any of them. You didn't kill anyone. That was remarkable restraint that we haven't seen since. Uh, it wasn't restraint. We just didn't get around to killing him yet, because we were worried about the daughter dying. If, uh, if we were worried about the daughter dying, we wouldn't have crashed the boat onto its side. Sand you know into a fireworks we factory. We were new at this. Come on. So plus, it, plus, if you remember, the only thing I did was land on the boat, fall on my ass, and look like an idiot. So you know, I didn't kill anyone. Well, this was back in the original write-up of your character had a boomerang. Yeah, the boomerang was pretty awesome. It was cool, but we we moved on for a minute. Yeah. 
That was when the Queen was more present than uh, Anne's. Yeah. Did you have Black Claw style for the longest time? Like, wasn't, like, the first session you had Black Claw, and then, like, in a rewrite, you're like, ah, fudge this. Yeah, basically. The, this style is stupid. And by stupid, I mean amazing, but highly inappropriate for the Queen. Yeah. I feel like that. Battered spouse syndrome, the martial arts style. Yes. <laughs> um... We were so pissed when we found out that old man Oh, uh, this was the genesis of beating people up with sticks. <laughs> so, the party brings back Edgar and Anna, or whatever. They had ja- they, they had exalted Japanese names. Don't, don't pressure me to remember them. They weren't important. Uh, and the queen got so pissed off the old man had lied because he was kind of senile and, like, basically was going to die in the next week. He was not senile. He was very clever. He deliberately was dying. He knew. Don't even try to make it like he was some, like, innocent old man. So this 95-year-old Patrick Stewart-looking old man who just wanted hugs and kittens, uh, the killer queen took his staff he used to lead on because he was crippled and shit. It was a really nice staff. It was. It was like a... It was like magic leaf square on it and shit. Yeah, like, it it grew fruit for you or something. And then you guys just kind of threw that in your treasure hoard later and didn't care anymore, because... Fuck. Uh, anyway, so you took a stick and you beat him with it. You yes. beat him dead. No, he, he did not die. He died a few days later, and I summoned a demon to watch over him until he did. To talk. You Remember? did, didn't you? Yeah, you beat him to death. Sure, it didn't happen until a few days later, but you beat him, and a few days later he died. That's he correlation. He was like 95, and he was going to die anyway. He's even told us he was going to die in a few days when we first met him. He yeah, because he probably saw die. the future, and the future was some chick beating him with his own staff until they had internal bleeding and trauma. Yeah. What? And then we took his mountain. And then you never went back. Yeah, what the fuck do we need that mountain for? We have a cooler mountain now. It's a mance. It has astrology. It can tell the future or some nonsense. We also beat up the entire village. You did. That, that village is a ghost town. People going through it would be very disturbed that this entire place is empty. Is no. it empty just because you took everyone? Yeah, everyone left with you guys. Oh yeah, after I fixed their boat. I fixed everyone's boat. I was like, oh, sorry, dude. Oh yeah, they went back on their way and, you know, got married. Or whatever. They remember that lovely time that, you know, some prepubescent looking 13-year-old woman beat up her father. To death. To death. So that's how Tell a Story ends in our game. You got beaten up. Didn't even get cast media or anything. Just <laughs> Yeah. So, and that's where it comes from. Now, every time the killer queen gets mad at someone, she beats them up with a stick. That is a thing. Like a fucking caver, like a tr- like a branch of a tree. I don't picture being that big. I just picture being like you know a little thicker than a baseball bat and yeah. a boat as long, just yeah. like. Okay. Yeah. I imagine like corn staff. From Dragon Ball Z, like he's a little cat who sits on the giant wooden staff, like that, yeah. and he carries it around. And it's much bigger than him. I imagine that's what the the, the size differences for the queen. I don't know what they look. They have a big orb at the end, or that they have like the cross guard at the top, so it's like you're hanging with a wooden hammer, yeah, right in the goddamn rib cage, something like that. So that was like the first half of that particular story. The second half was the spy came back and was like, "Hey, that nightman guy died, yo." Oh, oh. witness that actually? No, no, I, I ran it as a cut to you. Witness that, and I just. I just framed the thing as if it was in first right, person because okay. the guy told it back so well. Yeah. Instead of describing what he described to you, I, I just ran it as if you were there because that's what he described it. And right. It's fairly interesting. I should use that more. And he picked a fight with the god-blooded of some sort. Yeah, there's some salamander dude from a volcano guy, and he was, like, Man, trying to... Nightman is a pushover. He got outnumbered, and he was trying to save these people from being enslaved or whatever, and he got his heart ripped out and you buried in a shallow grave. You did a much grave. better job of all of that. Us, specifically, 
Just so you guys went to that village, and you're going to dig up the wanderer to, like, I don't know, put him to rest, or, like, loot his corpse or something. You dug him out of his shallow grave, and you found he's a robot man. Oh, fuck. Hmm. The Countess loves him, but he wasn't actually dead. Oh, yeah, the Countess figured yeah. it out, because she's clever, and everyone loves her. <laughs> so, yeah, we uh, slowly took out, like, pretty much his entire... His, he had, like, a troop of soldiers with him. Stealthily, yeah, and you, s- you stealth incapacitated all. Oh yeah, we like them. buried them to the neck of the desert. Each one. Oh my god, I forgot we did that. Did we, did, did we ever unbury them? Yeah, you, they okay. they became part of your village. Right. Wow. Yeah. Okay. You recruited them because you guys were that awesome. All right, we made a big speech, uh, which is meant to be a distraction. Cloud. But all right, on the cloud, on the Nimbus. And then the wanderer went in and uh, beat that godblood to death with his bare hands, and that guy Punched died. Punched him so hard he exploded. Basically, yeah, it took two punches. The first one, like, made him bite off his tongue. It was horrible. Yeah, he, like, he uppercutted him so hard it broke his jars. It was just, it was obscenely violent. Uh, and then you guys had that village, and they basically emptied out too, because they weren't ground controlled, and they were, like, this tiny, crappy mining town. Yeah, we still use the, uh, mine buildings, of course. Yeah, it's just, it's not that well fortified. But once you get the capital going, you'll be able to reach up these smaller satellite cities and repopulate them. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, you, you gotta build out. If you spread yourself too thin, you're gonna, get, you're gonna get raided. Uh, and then, I think you guys brought the Nightman back to your house, because you, you had his heart that that dude ripped out. Wait, you bring us a necklace. Yeah, it's a trophy. And I fixed him. Yeah, you spent a bunch of time putting the heart back in and putting him back together and stuff, and like trying to get him to be alive, and hey, it worked! Hooray! Oh, right, at this point, we were still uh, just hanging out at that old man's pants after we murdered him. Yes. Um, and then the Killer Queen, the Majestic, the Countess, and the Nightman went to find that, uh, that volcano. Did that happen first, or did you guys go to find your, your, your mountain first? We went to the mountain first. Yeah, so you guys found the mountain, it was all sanded in and, like, buried and collapsed. You looted the place, you found the, the perfect swan. <laughs> Uh, you sent back runners to your village so they could start, you know, migrating people there and saying that that place is the new HQ. Uh, and then you guys went to that volcano that that dude's godblood came from and encountered your first wild hunt. They were going to censor that elemental for the volcano. Right. Why were we going to deal with the, uh, the volcano god in the first place? Like, because we were worried he'd keep sending people out to be pissed that we killed his son. Right. I don't think he'd have any knowledge that, that we did it, but... I know you guys found, like, a desert meeting of, like, weather gods and cactus gods first, too. Oh, right, yeah. yeah. We saw the old man who now lives in one May as well. Yeah. Yeah, yeah some guy. He has, like, a like a polar bear porcupine that makes ice. It's like an elemental. He shaves it to make ice cream. He doesn't do that anymore because you just make ice cream, so he doesn't care. I was just going to say, uh, uh, no, he doesn't. There's only room in this town for one of us. It wasn't ice cream. It was snow cones. Yeah, it was like he, he made, like, flavor stuff from the cacti and, yeah. and the berries and whatever. Mm-hmm. We just hung out like with the, the gods. From, uh, like the dude. We shared ice cream with what was in the with this guy. It was, there were like snow cones. Oh, right. Yeah. I, I guess snow cones are just a thing in Exalted now. At least in the south. Which is strange, but okay. Uh, so yeah, you guys dealt with all that nonsense. You you got your mountain mats and you established it. And that was story one of season one. Uh, the Circle of Symbols and Fall of the Nightman. Yes. Uh, oh no, that was story one and two. <laughs> we just, we just shotgunned right through them. So, number three was, uh, Cheroscuro. That was an interesting one. Yeah. 
fun one. It was just uh, the Majestic and the Killer Queen going to the city for the first time. Yeah. yeah, you guys uh, got a demon wasp, you flew to Chiroscuro, and uh, you, you were trying to reach out to the guild so that they would supply your town with resources it needs to flourish and become an actual capital city. And also to help us with the whole setting up the gods and everything, because we knew they were really good at that kind of stuff. And you guys didn't really have those those resources. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, you, you flew there, it took a while. This is, we brought the Nightman as well, so it was after we yeah, yeah, oh, you brought he Nightman. Did, but he's kind of went off on his own, like, right away. Yeah, so you got to town. He kind of left you guys behind just to kind of check stuff out on his own. Um, and yeah, you, you guys contacted the guild. Uh, he, yeah, for some reason you picked up just a slave because he could read, and, and Nicole loves picking up NPCs that are pathetic. <laughs> it's like that scene in Community where Jeff breaks the pen and says, this pen's name is Steve, and everyone, you know, gasps in horror because they, they had a connection to the pen. In the one second he created it. Um, you met up with the guild, and what, what did you do? You basically were trying to make a deal to become a new capital city, and the guild was like, yeah, alright, but what does your city offer other than being a place for people to live? Yeah, we kind of struggled with that, and then uh, we came up with water, fresh water, because our mans... Yeah, your mans creates an oasis that can you know, feed a lot of people. There's and- also a uh, airship. Yeah. And that's right. One of the um one of the mountain peaks has an airship dock in it. Like like the entire mountainside opens up like a like a window or whatever, or like a what's the word I'm looking for? Like a hangar door. Oh. No, like like a rectangular hangar door that has like glass on it. And yeah, you guys you guys basically made a deal with the guild that you'd fix that up and turn that into an actual airship uh dock, because the guild has been trying to set up airship routes between like Lookshy and other places that have uh flight capabilities for a while to set up a, a very safe and very straight route through the south. I mean, what, a uh, nexus to the Chiroscuro flight path? That wouldn't be terrible. Mm. You know, that's off for, like, maybe a few decades, because they got to, like, get everything all lined up, but if this is, like, a port they can control, perfect. Oh, also, in the in the manse, uh, you found the, the wreckage of the Wanderer's War Strider from a previous life. Yes. Right, yeah. I was like, uh, He'd activated the self-destruct. Oh, well, uh, there was a story behind it. And then we also found the remains of a second one after utterly destroying it. The yeah, yeah. When you when you go out to a fight with um with the the wild hunts, uh, you guys did actually a pretty good job of killing those guys and uh, wrecked that war strider. Just that one guy. Yeah, that one guy who got away. Mm-hmm. Kind of made his life miserable. So, yeah, the guild basically wants to set up your capital city and, like, like partner with you and do exports and trade, but they definitely don't want to cross the realm because the realm has satraps. That's the word. It's satrap. Mm. I'm sure someone will correct you. You keep using that word. I assume it's a word. I never really <coughs> look it up. S-A-T-R-A-P-S. Satrap. Satrap? Is it trappy? I don't know. Just Maybe just stop using that word. <laughs> the realm has satraps all throughout the south. Like, there's Chiroscuro, there's the Lap, uh, there's like eight others, I don't care. So, the guild's like, they're not, you know, officially aligned with the realm, but they definitely don't want, you know, the Wild Hunt to come down and kill you guys and wreck the entire goddamn city that they just invested money in. Yeah, like, they immediately kind of figure we were, you know, lawgivers, so. It came up. <laughs> it came up. <laughs> the reason it came up is because we walked into town and the guild representative was like some. He's around the corner, and he's like, oh, yeah, I'm a guild representative. And we're like, 
okay, we want to, like, set up trade routes and stuff, so, you know, get your boss. And he's like, ah, you should talk to me. And we're like, we're fucking solars. And he's like, oh, oh, sorry. Yeah, okay. <laughs> this we is happening. We just, like, worked our way up the chain until we actually got to talk to the important people. Or people. There are snake merchants in the guild. Literally Sneeple. I forgot that that was like a thing. Yeah, wasn't the one that set us up in the hotel room? Also a, uh, yeah, he was a snake person. Yeah. He was Sneeple. Anyway, <laughs> the the guild will back your city if you can basically get some sort of outside uh, militia or city defense going on. So, uh, you guys are trying to figure that out. You were thinking like, like, raiders. So at first you were thinking like raiders and stuff, or like trying to find like maybe looters or Whatever. Nexus, yeah. yeah, going to Nexus and basically finding as many Exalts and Lost Egg and Outcast Strangler as possible and being like, come to our town. Come to our town and defend it with your lives. That's still a wise idea. That we're more established. It's not a terrible idea. Go to Nexus and, you know, drum up whatever garbage you can find. God-blooded, <laughs> that kind of stuff. Um, but that was the deal. The, the guild would put send out preliminary supplies in exchange for cash you guys had on hand because um, you have cash back. You had cash back in your Mountain Mass. Yeah. Uh, three dots of... No, the, the, the specifics don't matter. Something like that. The, the, the nitty-gritty don't matter. They're just like, you give us a deposit of some sort, we'll start sending preliminary infrastructure, and once you guys have, have an actual, like, civil defense or some sort of... some sort of way of defending your city that isn't us, then, uh, they, they move forward with, like, all the big stuff. Mm-hmm. And that was a pretty good meeting. Yeah. It was like a whole session. They didn't even realize they were romantic yeah, they were kind of shocked to realize that when we printed it on the map. They're like, oh, we didn't even know anything was there. Cool. <laughs> so at this point, it was, the session was just the Killer Queen and the Nightman, because Killer Queen um, went into the underground black markets to give the dog tags of this one dragon-blooded that got away to an assassin to have that guy killed. No police. <laughs> I didn't even know that's what, where this all started from. <laughs> Make sure that guy dies, and then you found the Nightman, and you didn't you didn't find him though. No, no, he he had run because Cheerskuro has a bunch of like um, districts that are full of Shadowlands that have like cake salt, you know, stealing them off and stuff. Mm-hmm. So you heard that the Nightman had got had run in to save someone or something, and there were vague stories that like some sort of horrible person from the past had returned to take revenge on the Nightman or some shit. But, yeah. like, the poor people in the poor district who live near Shadowland. And there was, like, a Macbeth monk there as well, being a huge pain in the ass. He was like, you can't go in there, you'll die, and then you'll come back as an angry dead thing. <laughs> and he, like, wanted to escort you in and stuff, and, like, he didn't want, like, he was just doing his job. He was being pretty fucking decent about it. Yeah, still a pain in the ass, though. Yeah, you had to double talk around him because you were solar, and he would have been like, anathema! That I would have killed him, there'd be another angry It'd be ghost. this whole thing. So you ran in, and the session got very much more Silent Hill-like. Uh, <laughs> as soon as that happened. Uh, you know, Chiroscuro has, in the Shadowland districts, because it has, like, memories and echoes of, like, what happened there. Chiroscuro's a city made out of skyscrapers that are, like, of, like, super magical steel and stuff. And... And in the first age, when the when everything fell apart, a ship came by and melted it with its steel melting beams. Oh, it's glass. Yeah. Oh yeah, it's made of glass. But 
had to get that reference in there anyway. So. Well, they didn't use jet fuel to melt the glass. They used they used beams. Beams were involved. Beams and melting were involved in skyscrapers and towers. And there's the first one. <laughs> Shame on you. Uh, whatever. But anyway, yeah, it was very misty. Yeah, there was like ash falling everywhere, and like you could like hear people moving in the distance, like echoes of like this huge tragedy hitting Shiro. And you eventually, through like tracking down survivors and like people who were actually there, found the Nightman and got kind of the story of what was happening. Uh, the Nightman's backstory is, you know, a couple decades ago, he wandered into Chiroscuro and helped out a bunch of, of the, the people who lived in like the, the Shadowland adjacent ghettos from a really horrible slumlord sorcerer, uh, dude. Um, what was his name? It was just the Slumlord, wasn't he? Something like that. Yeah, and the Nightman went in, and the dude had a, a right-hand man that was a big dude who had a butcher's cleaver, who was basically Pyramid Head, to complete the Silent Hill analogy. And the Nightman um, killed him and saved the people from this bullshit. And then, like, a couple years later, he came back, and one of the the kids he rescued was captured again, and he went in to save him. Well, not kid, uh, the, his daughter. No, 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 this is, like, immediately afterwards, not... Oh, right, later. yeah. Okay. So he went back in to save that kid, and the kid was was actually, uh, when he got to him, was actually, like, a, was a bomb, and, like, it blew up, and the Nightman got seriously hurt, and, like, the entire area was turned into a shadow land. This is, like, the first time I'm hearing about this. Yeah. And, uh, that, that right-hand pyramid-head butcher guy came back, but he was all, like, sewn together, wrong back together. And at this point, he was a liminal because that sorcerer dude uh, decided to uh, go a little further with having a, uh, you know, uh, a dragon or like a like a right hand dude. Mm-hmm. And the nightman fought. Nightman killed him, I think, or fought him until he went away, and they all went away and chased the, those assholes out of there, and then left Chiroscuro. But people love him because he was a hero that saved them from this fucking nightmare. So decades later, the, the, the week he comes back to Chiroscuro, one of the only living descendants of that family gets kidnapped, you know, another kid, and he goes in to save them, and yeah, the butcher's back, the, that liminal, and that sorcerer slumlord is also back, and there's undead everywhere. And it's basically a very complex revenge plot. Not very complex, he just kidnapped a kid to lure him in. Waiting multiple decades for some dude to come back, and at the same time kidnapping a descendant of a dude that he was probably keeping alive in the background, like, making sure that guy never got shanked or anything, on the off chance that he would, like, have kids, and, like, down the line, he'd be able to kidnap that person to get back in the night. Now I the slumlord being like, oh no, he didn't talk to Betty today! She's gonna go with Jim to the dance instead! I'll have to kill Jim! <laughs> okay, that's a lot more petty now. Yeah, it's it was complicated and petty, dude. Matchmaker, it's amazing. Murder maker. So, Nightman gets wrecked by Pyramid Head, and um, the the Killer Queen basically comes in and using the social system for the first time. You're able over the course of dodging and weaving, uh, convince the butcher that he doesn't have to be here and he should just walk away. And through just really great rolls and stunts, the butcher is convinced that his creator. Uh, that sorcerer slumlord is a dick, and the, and the butcher leaves, and throughout this entire fight, and all this history, the butcher never spoke. He was like a dude in a butcher smock with a metal pyramid around his head, because little can survive if their brains are intact. It was a very one-sided conversation. 
Yeah, but you, you pulled it off with social finesse, and the butcher left. And then you guys murdered that slumlord guy. You killed him really hard, you brought the kid back, and all of the, the disenfranchised, ghetto-living people next to the Shadowland cheered the Nightman, their rightful savior, the Devil of Chiroscuro, came through. Oh, and that chick that was there, too. Good for her. She helped carry the wounded. Yeah, that's all she did. She gets the beating sick. Actually, no, she could have just stood back and allowed it. She didn't care that much. Oh, you care. You just... Not in, the not in like, a jealousy thing. It's more like, uh... Why can't I be a hero? Why do people hate anathema? <laughs> kind of like that, yeah. Every, actually, time, every time you say anathema, by the way, I think... You should. That was an aberrant reference to any uh, classic World of Darkness White Wolf game players. <laughs> of which there are none. <laughs> uh, yeah, so that was actually a pretty cool moment where, like, the, the Killer Queen was like, oh, you know, it's kind of not fair that, that we do good things when we can't get recognized for it without being, like, rulers or tyrants. Mm-hmm. Because no matter what the Killer Queen does, it's because she's some sort of super monarch, not because she's, like, a, a folk hero. Yeah. Yeah, that was basically what At this point, the Nightman had his arm cut off by the, the Pyramid Head's Butcher Cleaver, like, uh, in the fight. So he was missing his arm after getting his heart ripped out, uh, you know, when the Jackson had to fix that. So the jokes start popping up that the Nightman is basically useless. They really just keep rubbing in over and over again. And by they, we mean Nicole and Anthony, the the Majestic and the Wanderer. They never stop making fun of him for losing. I don't think I do it a lot in character, actually. It's more when I'm really angry out of character. <laughs> oh my god. Um, but, seriously, he acts like he's like this like cool Here dude and stuff. That's like all like mysterious. So he never cool. acts like that. He does. He always acts like that. You're doing it. He's like, uh, there's all this cool stuff going on, but I'm not going to tell you about it. Oh, what? He, he's not just a robot man now. Now he's Cloud Strike with the long emo bangs and, like, with, like, little, uh, little arm warmers covering his cut scars now because he's so dark and deep and mysterious and, uh, depressed. It's such a tragic life. Is, so, is that what he so is? He's all that he wouldn't understand. Uh, flips, flips his blonde, uh, dyed bangs over. I've literally never gotten that from him. It's more like, yeah, if I right? tell you this shit, you'll get angry, and you'll try to kill me, because that's what you do. Yeah, I guess we should talk a little bit more about the Nightman, seems just very smash course brushed over his backstory. Or maybe we should, t- we should go about it after the book shy open. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you know, we've also missed out on the whole, uh, apartments. Um, we, no, we're getting to that. That happened. I thought that happened. We'll, we'll do characterization talk kind of near the end, just mm-hmm. after we just kind of go through an order of events so people kind of just know the order of events. That's why I'm kind of trying to keep it as bare bones as possible. Yeah. That's when we met with the people to hang out with us. I know, I was just about to talk about it. Uh, so after the Nightman stuff, uh, it was Nicole and Kevin again in Chiroscuro, and they heard about the Bright District, run by kindly god Grandmother Bright. Uh, for those of you who don't know, the Bright District is this area of apartment skyscrapers in Chiroscuro that still have functioning first-age amenities. Grandmother Bright rules this little area and nothing outside of it, so people kind of leave her alone because she's all-powerful. And uh, she lets, like, um, a certain amount of people live in the Bright District, and it's a certain number, no more, no less, and she's invitation only. And she mostly... Um, uh, uh, cultivates people of different specialties. So you guys wanted to see if you could get an apartment in the Bright District, just cause. 
you know. I don't think we really even wanted it. I just wanted to know what it was. I wanted it. Yeah, it was ostentatious. It was like a status symbol. You wanted it. Uh, oh yeah, and you know, this was like maybe a couple months later. Yeah, that abyssal kid that wiped out the Wanderer's village, void of him without. He was just hanging out there, you know, in the plaza because he had an apartment there. Yeah, you guys tried to socialize with him, hang out, make friends with uh, with that guy who genocided your circle mate's entire people. Well, at that point, we weren't entirely sure, though we asked him straight up, I think. And he told. He was like, yeah, I was there. I genocided his entire people. he was there, but we're like, he didn't do it. Just cause and then he, he said he did. He's No, he said he built the gun. Just because you build the gun doesn't mean you're the one that... Okay, just because he used negotiating tactics that... As soon as he said them, the Starship Enterprise warning alarm should have gone off in all of your heads. <laughs> Doesn't mean. Yeah, but still, we, you know, we're like, you know, you have skills. You might need those skills. You also are trying to figure out what the hell he was. You're like, what are you? And he's like, I'm a champion of the underworld. Mm-hmm. You know, a speaker for the dead or whatever. Right. Well, like, as far as we knew at that point, we just saw that, or as far as we knew, he had an exaltation. He was exalted. Yeah, it just looked corrupted. No, no, it didn't at all. He was just exalted. Oh, his forehead's a little weird. Oh, yeah, yeah no, that's okay. What that's what you're talking shit. about. Yeah, okay, he had the, the an inverted Twilight cast mark carved into his brow that inverted? bled. You can't invert a circle. You totally can't. It's not a circle, it's the happy face, but this is upside down. Oh, right, I was thinking the target. It's, it's not the target, face. it's it's the happy face. The Twilight cast mark is a happy face because... Reasons. <sighs> exalted. <laughs> but, yeah, we no, he, he, he totally wasn't corrupted anything. He's just like, there are champions of the underworld. And you guys are like, oh, we only thought they were, like, dragon-blooded and solars and other anathema, like lunars. <laughs> That's basically all there is in the world. And that one weird thing we just fought. Oh, and the Nightman. So I guess there's a lot more. <laughs> Whatever. And he's like, oh, yeah, I serve the Mask of Winters. You know, that guy who wiped out thorns, like, last year and took over the entire place and declared war on life? Yeah, that's my boss. In retrospect, why did I recruit this guy again? Uh, Because you're crazy. I'm like, (laughs) this guy, he, like, sells information. Like, that's how he got his apartment building, was by selling the Mask of Winters is, uh... Like personal secrets to Grandmother Bright. Yeah. But I'm like, why are we getting him to be in our base so we'll give our secrets to sell to people? I think I just really wanted to learn necromancy. (laughs) (laughs) It was a phase then, because you never wanted to afterwards. You wanted the option. It's like when you play uh, Dragon Age and you want to grab those books that you grab prestige classes. So you pour the (laughs) the dragon blood onto the ashes of Christ in order to get that specialty. Yeah, or you unlock the, the warrior mage tree when you have to go to that elves dream or whatever. And you just don't care. Yeah, you just don't care afterwards. You're done. But, uh... <laughs> fuck. But, um... Yeah, Vortifin Without got an apartment at Grandmother Bright's because he sold out, um... Uh, the assault on Thorns early. Like, he went to Grandmother Bright, he's like, I want an apartment here. And she's like, what can you tell me that's valuable? And he's like, the Mask of Winters is going to assault Thorns in about eh, a couple months' time. Uh, and it's gonna wipe out that city. And she's like, what's a Mask of Winters? What's a... What, what, what's gonna happen? He's like, dude, this is gonna happen. You should probably move your people out of there. And she did. Yeah, and she gave him an apartment. And, like, the Mask of Winters... He, he betrayed the Mask of Winters, I guess, but the Mask of Winters don't care. It's not gonna punish him. Uh, yeah, the invasion happened. Uh, Boyd that was part of the Thorn Siege. Um, and because that was so great, and uh, he was on a few little satellite jobs, basically. He's on, uh, I think, what, furlough is what we called it? He was on vacation, yeah. 
He's just on vacation. You know, he has time to himself. Mask Winters might call him back later. He doesn't care. It's fine. He'll go back. He even said that. He's like, oh, yeah, I'll hang out with you guys in your mans until the Mask of Winters, my liege, calls me back. And then when he does, I'm just going to leave peaceably and not screw up anything of yours and go work for my, you know, Lord and Dark Emperor Palpatine Master. Mm-hmm. You guys are like, this is very amicable. This is fine. Yep. Everyone is so pleasant. The Queen just collects weird people as friends. I collect weird people. I collect weird things. <laughs> things you own. Like, Oh, we'll get to the yellow cannon. That's that's next story when you go to uh, look shy. Oh uh, yeah, very little was happening at the base at that point. We were just kind of setting up basic amenities. Yeah. So yeah, you invited Boy Without to come into your homes and live with you, among you, among your people, and he was like, maybe, maybe. Uh, and then you guys went back home, and yeah, nothing was happening. And no, you talked to Nightman, and Nightman's like, hey, instead of getting uh, vicious, bloodthirsty mercenaries to guard your children at night, why don't you go to Lookshy and petition for, like, one of the families there, one of the Genses, to send one of their, like, minor families to live here, and set up a little military outpost. He did. He knows people in Lookshy. Oh, right, yeah, he knew that one family. The, the, the Nightman has a history Genzi of working Shiro. with... Yeah, Genzi Shiro. Nightman has a history of working with, like... You know, look shy's military and like the Immaculate Order and stuff. Like he's gone on wild hunts to take down like fair folk and monsters over the millennia he's been here because that's all he really does. And then the Majestic was like, "That's a very good idea." I thought of why can't you be so useful, Night Man? That didn't happen. That's basically what happened. He was like, "That's a very good idea, Night Man. Thank you. That's great. I'm glad we're friends." And the Night Man's like, "I didn't say anything. I never say anything. You're making things up." Well, and, then the, and then the killer queen just blew him on the spot. Yeah, that's exactly what happened. That's exactly what happened. The, the majestic. Are you like, salty much, Nicole? The about majestic the is all like, "Hey guys, what's going on? What are we gonna go do that thing that you thought of, Nightman? By the way, that was a really good plan again." And he's all like, "Oh, give me the finger and like you know, burning books so I would never know their secrets." <laughs> <laughs> what? What? The Nightman got super pissed off when he came back from the war with the Turks. Uh, declared that he renounces Christ and threw a and threw his sword through a cross and became a vampire. You hear references? Bram Stoker's Dracula, bitch. Yeah, we should bring up that essentially a quirk of Majestic's, a funny little quirk, is that he reimagines uh, slights towards him so that they become increasingly more emphatic and awful. So like. As we said last podcast, uh, the story of what happened with the Nightcast and Majestic was the Nightcast was getting into an argument with Majestic on whether or not Majestic was still a slave and he still owned him and all his possessions. The Majestic was arguing that that was bullshit. And then um, the Countess ripped out the Nightcast's heart and fed it to the Majestic. And the Majestic's like, this is fine. But now every time we talk about it and the Majestic references it, you know, in the past... Gets more and more ridiculous. It's like, yeah, he's sacrificing. He wanted to sacrifice us to the Yozies. <laughs> you know, uh, he was the one who handed Lilin over to the Ebon Dragon. Jesus. <laughs> um, you know, when when Anthony, because he didn't quite know how over the top uh, Nicole was about how much she hates that Nightcast, she was like, "Well, why'd you hate the Nightcast so much?" And it was like, the Nightcast told us personally that you, Anthony, are a piece of shit. Like, he knew you existed outside of the game. 
and that you sucked and stuff, and that he thought you were a real asshole, and we and we defended you, and that's why we killed him because he was going to escape the game, go to your house, and like crush any kitten you'd ever owned forever. We also told him that he was the one that told uh, Cease from Falling Devastation where Anthony's village was. Uh, we also told him that he killed his parents, and that's why the Wanderer was an orphan, and he just didn't remember it right. He just thought he didn't have parents. Exactly. Yeah, he just kind of went along with it. <laughs> oh, please, you were right in with it, man. Exactly, because it was hilarious. <laughs> so Nicole is kind of an unreliable narrator when it comes to the Nightman. She, uh... I will leave it for the discussion about the Nightman, okay? We've had this discussion. Yeah, but we're going to have this discussion again because it's amazing. It's going to be so great when he comes back. So, uh, where the hell were we? Yeah, yeah, go to look shy, get some fucking people, you fucking fucks. (laughs) Meanwhile, the Wanderer was uh, leading the last bits of the convoy to um, the, the Mountain Mats. And they're like, attacked by Mad Max style raiders who worship the Yozis in like little sand boats who are like trying to eat and rip people apart. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they were just covered in metal and were so death metal it was amazing. Uh, and Effie spooked them off by being solar. Yeah. Wasn't at the same time the Countess was sort of picking off his villagers? Oh, uh, uh, yeah. So also the Countess had decided to. Um, so si- since they found the Countess, up until about this point when the party reunited, Every day, the Countess was convincing a person to volunteer themselves to be sacrificed on an altar to the Unconquered Sun and to the Circle of Solars. Like, he would, the guy would lie down, throwing up the horns, and would let the Countess cut his heart out and, like, burn it to ash or, like, feed it to Majestic. Majestic was nearby. It was very symbolic. Uh, and everyone was like, we can't do this. This is insane. You know, we'll run out of people. We'll run out of worshippers. To which Nicole responded... You dress for the job you want. Not the job you have. <laughs> so this this stopped when Anthony realized that of the like eight villagers he had left, like three of them had already been sacrificed to to them by the countess, and he's like, This is bullshit, guys. I don't have any villagers left. Why is she why is she preying on people who have PTSD and convincing them that's that, that ritual suicide is the way to go? That's probably one of the better arguments against that too. And then the Countess came back with an even better argument for it, which you guys basically ignored and uh, yeah. moved on. What was the better argument? Take away their three minutes back? Yeah, like, who are you to enslave them to... Um, oh, she out- did not out- say it like that, but yeah. To outmoded, to outmoded barbaric uh, cultures that don't <laughs> sacrifice people alive. At that point, we basically said, you know, bring her in or we're going to murder her, and uh, that worked. Yeah, see, it started slow too. You know, them ordering the majestic around like she was, uh, like she was their fucking secretary. <laughs> the look on Nicole's face—it's <laughs> like you there, secretary exalted. Make sure that the countess doesn't sacrifice more villagers. It'll be your ass. Why is she a twenty news reporter? He'll fucking replace you with a coffee machine. Use the toilet, yeah. So. Basically, oh, he's a second character. It'd be worse if he was a serial, in which case, maybe, like, yeah. Imagine you having, like, a lash and, like, lashing him whenever, like, you know, your fucking papers aren't in order. <laughs> anyway. Uh, so the party, arm in, arms in arms, decided to jaunt over to Look Shy 
to get dragon-blooded people to, and, you know, just mortals as well for Lokshai to set up a military presence in their capital. Yep. Not like the entire Yoshido Gens, just like, you know, a kind of, you know, down-the-look family lineage that's looking for new and exciting opportunities. So, that is that story. Uh, and now we're down to the last two. The Lookshy Perfect Warrior Open slash What Lies Beneath. So, they get to Lookshy. It's amazing. I described Lookshy. It's like the enemy of the realm, and it has... It's like a military rival, and it's great. And they meet the, the guy that I man knows, and he's like, there's a martial arts tournament, because Anthony demanded there be a Dragon Ball Z-style martial arts tournament, and I could not refuse him. <laughs> so it's not so much a martial arts tournament as a bunch of people are going to fight not to the death in an arena for, for fun. Not to the death. In massive air quotes. For fun. <laughs> and everyone got involved, except Nicole. And Nicole's like, I'm not fighting. This is he's done the boomerang, too. I was like, are you fucking kidding me? I'm not entering like a best, the best freaking fighter competition. Like, I joined just for fun. Yeah. Yeah, but you could actually hold your own. That's true. That's why I first found out that I was kind of over. Yeah. Like, yeah. Just, like, Silver Voice Night again. enter into a fight and just like, do you remember what happened when we attacked the boat? That was still fresh in my mind. You know, landing. Animal flaring, about to make it awesome, like, come back and whip my boomerang, make it all awesome. I trip over my own fucking feet, fall off the, uh, crow's nest, land on my face. It was pretty great. Crap your pants. It's like, basically I landed with, like, my robes flipped up with my underwear showing. It was that ridiculous. Wow. Butter burns. Jesus Christ. (laughs) Oh, for the audience, uh... Devin is currently trying to set our house on fire. I'm lighting a candle, and it had a lot of dust inside the candle bowl, and that ignited. <laughs> trying to set our house on fire. It's an apartment. <laughs> but, yeah, we, and the queen entered the tournament, Anthony entered the tournament. Uh, so the queen, the wanderer, and the nightman entered. Oh, right, he did, yes. And, uh, you know, this is a great time to flex the combat system, kind of see what it's like. This was one of the, the bigger sessions devoted to fighting uh, that we did, just to kind of see where it went. Uh, and the prize was, um, if one of the people from the PCs could win the Open, then they would be able to claim a prize for the family in that Yoshinogens, and that family would be able to get a restoration project for, like, an artifact uh, airship. So they'd be able to do the repair work on it and get a bit of notoriety, and they'd be able to let some of their people go to the south. It was a very smooth, kind of minor political maneuvering. Mm-hmm. So the tournament happened. Uh, I had them all fight mortals, like elite mortals first, and they destroyed them. Some uh, random person slammed an invisible mask on the Killer Queen's face. Oh, right. yeah, yeah. Some person, like, like tackled the Killer Queen out of nowhere and slammed a mask onto her. And the mask made so that no one could recognize what she looked like, because backstory time, the Killer Queen is... is is like a member of Lookshy. That she, her family's from Lookshy. She's from Lookshy. She's part of a dragon-blooded line. Uh, but when she used to, took on uh, terrestrial circle sorcery, she gave up uh, her memory of her family and her childhood. So she doesn't remember she's from Lookshy that much. Yeah. So in character, it was just inexplicable. So she's tackled, so it puts a mask on her face, and she's freaking out because she's like, "Oh my god, I can't get the mask on my face." And everyone else is like, "You're not wearing the mask." Fuck you talking about. So yeah, some some entity that they never got back got back to uh, no. covered the Killer Queen's face with a mask so that she couldn't be recognized here in Look Shy. 
Yeah, there were a lot of abyssals. Yeah, the the Devastator wasn't there, so Void with and Without and the other Abyssal circle baits were, were there to watch the open. That probably should have set they off some of They participate. Yeah, yeah the, the, the Nightcast. Oh, oh, yeah, the, their version of the Nightcast. Oh, yeah, I found her. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, okay. Two's only one, uh, because, yeah. Yeah, Void with and does look in invite. He's also a Twilight cast. Yeah, he's eight. He's not actually eight, but he is a small child. Um, so the the second round of fights, it was like, I don't know, they fought, they fought a bunch of people. Oh, God, I just remember what that fight was. It was Anthony versus the Nightman. Oh, right. The uh, Wanderer oh. versus the Nightman. This was probably one of the best fights uh, never recorded. It was an hour out of game, probably an hour and a half of, like, just tactics and, like, them destroying the arena and, like, role play, like, the Nightman and him arguing back and forth about the nature of heroism and stuff. And the Nightman using his personality override spike to make um, the Wanderer relive the destruction of his village over and over and over again. Every time he was able to spike him with it in combat as a gambit. And also flinging those petty insults at each other. He was being super petty that whole fight. And like it went from them using like martial arts to like them using like flame wands to them throwing debris around. And eventually uh, the Wanderer the, the Wanderer uh, beat up the Nightman and won. And the, the Nightman had to be you know ganked off to get like recuperated. But uh, the Wanderer really won that fight. He kind of beat him into a coma, if I recall. He did enough bashing damage to incapacitate him. It's not that serious. He was pretty pissed. Oh my god, Anthony the Wanderer was so upset. They're like, Rrr! Uh, and then Kevin fought, yeah, the vampire uh, nightcast assassin abyssal. Uh, it was a pretty good fight, pretty good clean match. Uh, you won it in like five turns because Silver Voice Nightingale style is amazing. Yeah. And, uh, the only reason she went faster is that the chick kept turning invisible. Mm-hmm. Like, if I recall, you won every other match that, like, tournament in one round. Yeah, like, just one withering one. Well, not necessarily one round, but, like, as soon as you hit them at least once, they were out. Inexplicably uh, efficient. Yeah, we were like, holy, what the hell, Queen? Uh, I guess you got the name for a reason. And then after that, the Killer Queen bowed out so that the Wanderer could fight the last guy in his uh, ranking. And the last guy was just some mortal monk. And he was like, hey, I'm just some mortal monk. Let's hang out. And when the fight was working, it's like, okay, well, I'll see you later. And then he was split in half as the Devastator rose out of his corpse. And it started playing Man of War combat music, and they got into an awesome fight. Uh, which, um, Anthony basically beat him. The dude had to retreat. He had a spell that was cast on him. So a bit of sorcery that pulled him into the labyrinth if he was ever going to be close to dying, and Anthony uh, jumped into the portal with to chase him down and finish the fight once and for all. It's pretty awesome. Yeah. And about half of the audience like, ripped off their flesh. Oh yeah, you know, because Abyssal Anima banners, when it goes to a time, people start mutilating themselves if they fail certain roles, certain roles, and that started happening because there was enough people there, and it was a big greasy horror show. Yeah, we had to, like, jump in and try to help and shit, but, uh... Yeah, so only Anthony went to the labyrinth to face down his nemesis. Oh my god! That, again, I got into the fight. I threw my boomerang down. I, uh, missed, and I tripped over it. Ended up, like, sliding down the stands on it because I had fallen. You bossed this is really why, hard. This is why... Skyward of Ultimate Majesty did not get in fights. It was pretty great. That was the last time you'd use that boomerang when you rewrote your character to have not a boomerang. Exactly. <laughs> Fuck this. That boomerang disappeared into meta into meta narrative space. Disappeared into a burning fire. <laughs> Fuck that boomerang. 
He's the real villain of this story. <laughs> <laughs> um, so Anthony, he, he had his own session basically to himself, but we'll recap that real quick now. Um, he went to the labyrinth. It was a big, complicated fight. It was really descriptive. It was really fun. Um, and then it ended with Anthony uh, beating the Nightman, or the, the Devastator, a bunch of times into his, like, like dead health level. But he basically got, like, boss re- resurrects during the fight for narrative purposes. They were at the mouth of the void. They were in the mouth of the void. Uh, yeah. Anthony cast him into the black hole and, like, you know, was, like, jumping off of debris, falling into it, and, like, leaping on, like, you know, arrows that were flung and, like, pieces of cathedrals falling in. And he was basically able to get out. And once he got out, he was helped by that Nightcast Abyssal Assassin who had made her way back into the Labyrinth uh, after everyone booked from Wookshai. Uh, Knight of Curses is her name. And for anyone who cares, she looks like... She looks like Sion from Melty Blood wearing uh, the Tatari's clothes. That's the kind of vampire she is. It's amazing. Uh, and then Anthony found an old warmance in the Labyrinth from the First Age that was, like, sealed in for, like, researching the Neverborn. And there's an animated intelligence in there, and there's a there's just, like, large-scale uh, municipal uh, affecting war weapons that were being researched. Like, there was a Soulbreaker organ there. Anthony didn't quite understand it because he had a rough time communicating with the AI, but he was like, this place needs to go. This place cannot exist. So he took his power armor, unplugged the animated intelligence, found a secret gauntlet with, like, an obsidian hand inside of it, uh, and then intelligence blew up the manse, and he left. So that Soulbreaker orb and all that gear is gone. Oh, right, because he informed it that the uh, first age was over. Yeah, he told him the Soul Deliverer had fallen and was destroyed by uh, invaders and usurpers, and the AI's like, okay, I'm going to self-destruct the manse. <laughs> and he basically walked him through how to unplug him so that they, you guys can bring him to the surface. And that is the core component that they're going to use, like, this session coming up, to turn the manse into having an artificial intelligence. They're going to use that core. So that's Anthony's arc. He left the labyrinth just in time for, like, the last session of, uh, of season one, where it was a big throwdown. Scrolling back a bit. So Look Shy happened. Look Shy, there was a cleanup. You know, uh, Nicole and Kevin were thanked for being such great guys and helping people be saved from monsters. And uh, they were pretty much... You know, try to kill time, find stuff to do. Uh, and then they realized the Nightman hadn't been seen in a couple days, and it turns out he was at the Academy of Sorcery in Lookshy, uh, still in a coma. And um, the sorcerers there, who had previously, you know, centuries past, also worked on him and helped him out when he had done work for Lookshy, were like, yeah, it looks like he's gone to a coma again. It looks like he's falling apart and failing. And, uh, yeah, that's rough. Yeah, I think I think for some reason you guys knew there was perhaps stuff related to alchemicals under the the Lookshy because Lookshy's Academy of Sorcery is built on a failed first stage factory cathedral, and you guys figured that there might have been resources in there that might have helped you. Uh, not anything to do with alchemicals specifically, but we knew there was like crazy essence problems going on, and I think we thought that if we like fixed it, it would help the energy go to the medical bay and like, jumpstart him or something? I think basically you were, like, maybe if you were able to clear out enough of that factory cathedral, that you would have resources to try and maybe keep the Nightman from dying. Yeah. Because at this point, the Nightman's been going since the first age without ever going to a Vats facility, so he is ragged. Every time he decides to take a crippling wound instead of losing, like, a limb or something, he just chose one of his charms to blow up. 
So that's been happening a lot. Over and over again. So you guys went to the factory cathedral. It was a cool puzzle. Uh, you found a, a little uh, child made of clay uh, in like a little uh, a glass case. Like Beauty and the Beast Rose? Yeah, like the Beauty and the Beast Rose, and it was like all happy and playful and doesn't talk. Like the like, and stuff? Yeah, it's like an Illa, it's an Illithrita, which is a first age entertainment device uh, <laughs> for going into the wild and creating like whatever you want in there. It's like a holodeck uh, buddy yeah. made of who dude. Like a little clay child Friend. with no eyes or mouth. Yeah. It's adorable. Yeah. I'm the only one that finds it horrible. Everyone else seems to be, like, terrified of it for some reason. It's terrible. And thus, the Majestic got another weird thing on the character sheet. Uh, and then you guys explored it more, and you started finding weird signs that the Factory Cathedral had other parts growing into it from below. Uh, you found, like, a, like a cryostasis. Not cryostasis, but it was, like, a biological research facility. Uh, and we used much more sorcery terms for it, but good price, guys. This is... We're just trying to run through this real quick. Uh, and in there, there was a dude from the Shogunate era, uh, frozen Yasso Crystal, much like the Countess was. They broke him out. He was an exigent of, uh, like, savage roads and, like, banditry and, like, like, Mad Max themes. Yeah, basically. It's basically his shtick. He couldn't tell us his name because he said that now that he's in a new world, he can up his own name. So he called it, so, having the choice to bring on a new identity... This actually called himself Slum Mongrel, as that was the best representation of what he was all about. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, that kind of was, was buzz for you guys for a while. He went back to the surface. Yeah, yeah, we just kind of directed him towards a brothel, I think. Yeah, he was fine. He was like, cool, he's alive again. Anyway, you guys traveled deeper down into the Factory Cathedral and did more clearing out stuff, and eventually found out that the Factory Cathedral was built on a weird facility that had, like, evidence of, uh, of, like, odd technology in it. And, uh, spoiler alert, it was Metroplex. One of the night, one of, uh, the Nightman's, uh, circle mates. A large, it is assembly, yeah. A large, colossal alchemical that has alternate forms, one including a research factory, uh, another being a humanoid, you know, machine body, and a third being some sort of flying ship, uh, like a cargo hauler. But we haven't gotten there yet. Uh, you also found this this re- weird structure that he was built over top of. That was basically a giant, large hadron collider-looking thing mm-hmm. that doesn't work and it's broken and is obviously of primordial design. Like you're able to discern that with all your amazing lore and sorcerer's knowledge. Um, and you're able to wake Metroplex up and communicate with him. And yeah, and he would, he would, he had been restrained by the first stage, uh, so it's basically uh, lobotomized him and used him as a research facility. Bitch, you said that the dragon guys did that. I don't know. Come on, man. Fuck off. Uh, and yeah, there was also a dead alchemical in there that was made of orchalcum, and he was basically Optimus Prime, and he had his uh, uh, essence pump heart blown out. And through talking with him, with, with Metroplex, you're able to get the whole backstory of Nightman. Nightman and his assembly were there when the usurpation happened. Uh, Nightman gave, uh, the, the, the Optimus character wanted to call back the Great Maker. This entire facility is basically a, a beacon that's supposed to tell the Great Maker when it's safe to come back. And they guard a lot of the secrets of it and, like, the parts of it that would make it work. And he's like, well, the usurpation's happening, the world's burning, we should call back the Great Maker and he'll save everyone. 
And Ivan's like, that's horrible. Let the Solars die. They're insane. You know, we fight for people. This is an insane idea to bring uh, the Great Maker back. He'll be slaughtered in the war. Let them die. Let it happen. Everything will be better afterwards. It has to be. And uh, the Optimus said no, so Nightman just killed him. Just like, like snuck attack him and blew out his brains and heart. And uh, then they sabotaged the facility so it could never be used because a key component of this relay is a little thing called uh, the Eye of a Talkathon, which they took and got rid of and hid. Not very well. It's shown up since then in, you know, the classic history to Exalted. Mm-hmm. Um, and Metroplex was able to give you guys really good uh, medical advice on how to fix Nightman, but they're like, yeah, he's, he's at the end of his lifespan. He... He can't go this long without a bat facility without starting to actually die. Uh, so you guys are able to bring him back and get kind of the gist from him. And that was Lookshot. You guys got your dragon-blooded people. Yeah. It occurs to me we never asked Nightman, like, if he still stands by that decision. Let them die? Yeah. That would be... really how it was phrased when we originally saw it. But when we originally saw it, it was more like, we shouldn't get involved. Uh, if it happens, it happens. If it doesn't, it doesn't. We shouldn't get involved, and we definitely shouldn't call back the Great Bear so he can also die. Like, what the fuck? Yeah. Yeah, it didn't seem like he was for us dying. It seemed more like he was just not going to put his hands on any of it. You, yeah, basically, uh, Nightman was like, just let it happen. Let it happen, and we'll pick up the pieces afterwards. This this is not something we want to take a side on with insane, uh, shining golden overlords and their 100,000 uh, super soldier uh, minions overthrowing them. Mm. We definitely don't want to become a target on either side of this. There's only like six of us. We should stay the fuck away from it. You're making this seem more about them than it seems to be the first speaker. It's been two months. Give me a break. I don't... I don't... The gist was they're like, there was an argument of opinion on what should be done, and the Nightman, when he didn't, uh, when his opinion wasn't followed, he killed their leader, and he took over, basically. <laughs> yeah, so that happened. <laughs> <laughs> that silence was Nicole eyeing uh, Kevin, a.k.a. the Killer Queen, when that had been said. <laughs> so good. I take on all sorts of monsters, people. It's hilarious. No, I don't mean because you take them on. I mean because you do that. What? I murder people? And take not them. murder them so far, but kick them out of the meeting room or beat them with a stick. They're not equals. <laughs> <laughs> they don't have a voice. If I stab you, if I stab the Majestic in the throat and threw him into a heap in the corner and then resumed the meeting, that would be similar. But, uh... <laughs> Whatevs. Don't do that. <laughs> but me, like, Beating around a servant or something like that. That's oh my god. <laughs> you fucking kids. I see you are falling into your old ways. Uh, so they left Look Shy, and that was the end of that one. And the last story in season one was The Siege of Admiral Sand. And now we have to get into what Admiral Sand is like. So Admiral Sand, her backstory, there's a lot of it in this session. We're sorry for the info dump. And that can't be a little more interestingly brought up, but you guys need to know this, and we're not going to do individual session recordings for it. Um, Admiral Sand in Exalted Lore in, like, 1st and 2nd edition is some solar dude who, like, champions around in the South and, like, brings people together, and, like, he's this really whatever upstanding dude. Oh, he's so boring. 
Falling asleep. So, in all of our versions of Exalted, Admiral Sand is an Infernal uh, who really loves being an Infernal. Like, a lot. Like, a really, really lot. Uh, and he, uh, he basically sent an, sent an envoy to the Mance, uh, and this is before the Wanderer came back. The Wanderer was in the Labyrinth until, like, the actual final ba- battle. And his envoy was like, surrender a bunch of your people, or, like, give me treasure, or pay me off, or just, you know, become my servants, or else. And, and, you know, the Killer Queen and the Majestic were like, fuck that. We'll, we'll fight you in a war. <laughs> so they did some prep work, you know, got stuff prepared, scurried people inside and, like, sheltered them inside the mountain. And, uh, then Admiral Sand showed up, and there was a bunch of sand-skimming ships that, you know, were attacking, and they showed up and fought them off and destroyed a bunch, and then more sand ships showed up, and people died, and, oh, scum, Slum Mongrel was there, and that was great, too. He was healthy. And then Admiral Sand's uh, uh, ship of the fleet showed up. Admiral Sand has a behemoth <laughs> under his control that it's basically a giant shadow of a colossus sandworm that he's built basically barracks and troop stuff into, and like a large throne into that's on a tower. He also had like drums and like rock out metal, you know, rock and roll equipment that like brought thunderstorms down and sand, you know, tearing sand winds and lightning strikes. It was really metal. And they went to go fight him, and they started to fight their way across the Colossus, destroying its vital points using, um... What's the fucking word? Uh, gambits. You know, how you're supposed to just, you know, unhook behemoths apart with gambits and stuff. Yeah. And eventually, Admiral Sand, uh, came over and was like, fighting is dumb and boring, we should do something more interesting. Uh, should I describe Admiral Sand? You really should. It doesn't... Maybe I should describe each character at the end. We'll do Nightman, I'll do Admiral Sand. You should do it now, because otherwise this scene is going to not be as, uh... Ridiculous. Okay, so... Paint a picture in your mind, listeners. Imagine Tim Curry now. Not Tim Curry when he was young in Vero Island and Rocky Horror. I mean, present-day Tim Curry. And then make him Southern. Or, you know, East Indian. Whatever you want to do. It doesn't matter. Uh, the point is he's not white. And he's a little more weathered than current-day Tim Curry, but maybe just as chubby. He's fine. Tim Curry's great. Uh, and then put him in, what was it? Uh, fishnet top with nipple clamps? Fishnet top with, like, jeweled nipple clamps and chains everywhere. Um, His fishnet, by the way, is actually, like, living spiders knitting the flat net across the thing. Yeah, and he's also wearing, like, a biker uh, leather uh, jacket with those sleeves over top that, like, the symbol on the back is, like, a symbol of Malpheus always changing with, like, the green sun burning on his back. Uh, he was wearing, like, hot pants or something and, like, really high heel spiked boots. Mm-hmm. Like, it was it was Rocky Horror. It was Dr. Frankenfurter. But more. But more. It doesn't look like 80s. Very 80s, but hey, it's Infernals. So what are you What are you gonna do? Yeah. So yeah, Spike Stiletto boots that like the the boot part were faces, and like the heels were like actual knives, and there were eyes that were opening up on it and stuff. And, right. Yeah. And he had like he had coke nails that were dipped in brass, and he had like large bobbled rings that had cocaine in them, and he had a, he had a okay okay no no no, 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 no. and yeah when, when he showed up and like stripper pulled down down his throne because his throne was on a giant. Uh, octopus-legged pole on the top of his, uh, his yacht. Yeah, he stripper pole slid down it, and he had a miasma of underworld mouth of Malthian insects flying around him, creating a haze. And as he was talking to them, he gra- he plucked one out of the air, rolled it between two fingers, and smoked it like a joint. He was 
amazing. Just fucking amazing. And he's like, fighting is lame, this is super boring, we should have a contest or a game or anything, you know, to be more entertaining. Mm -hmm. And everyone jumped on board because they loved this guy at this point. Everyone jumped on board because we didn't want to keep fighting. Ah, you loved it. You thought it was amazing, Nicole. Say it. Oh, yeah. So, so the contest was if they could touch Admiral Sand's throne before he killed one person from their village, uh, whoever did the thing first won. So, like, if you guys touched the throne, he'd leave and not bother you guys. If you kill one person from your village, and they were all sealed up in the mountain, pretty safe actually. He wasn't looking for loopholes; he was just looking for a contest. Uh, he had lost a single person at that point. Yeah, it was a pretty good war. <laughs> But yeah, if he won, he, like, looked at, um... Killer Queen. The Killer Queen, he's like, you'll have to come to hell to be my bride. And then he's looked at how frumpy the Killer Queen was, and it's like, you'll both have to come to hell to be my bride. You were after... Beautiful. Yeah, after looking at the Majestic and what a beautiful man he was, he's like, okay, frumpy and beautiful, come down to hell to be my brides. They equal to about a three between the two of them. And the Majestic at this point had been distracted by his own reflection, so he didn't understand what's going on. And the Queen was just like, yeah, this is happening. Oh, he also has an artifact weapon. It's like a it's like a gore axe or whatever, or like it's a, a guitar. It's a fucking yeah, but it's an axe that that's like infected like soul caliber. Like it's made of Lord childhood, but it has like a soul caliber infection in it. And yeah, it's also a guitar. Uh, he does music yeah. because why wouldn't he? And also because you know the Killer Queen did music, so you got to match that. It was a dance off. Yeah. So they're like, it's gonna be really easy to touch his throne. It's over there. It's this giant like captain's yacht throne on like a little stick leg. And as soon as um, that happened, he jumped on top of it, and, like, the legs fanned out into a giant octopus fin, and it, like, octopus swam through the air towards their mountain, and they couldn't catch up, and this entire thing happened. They got on board the octopus, they, they danced battle rock opera on top of it. The Majestic was just really desperate to touch that throne at this point, because he was like, wait, what's happening if we lose? I don't want to be his bride in hell. Yeah, didn't... I don't think the dance off was even necessary. It was just the queen. It just happened. She didn't want to you, fight. Yeah, you guys weren't you weren't even doing anything mechanical like to fight him. You were just trying to look really awesome. You're trying to outdance him. Yeah. Uh, and then and then the actual wild hunt showed up at this point. <laughs> and an invisible ship. An invisible flying saucer because they have those. They're in uh, Wonders of the First Age. It's one of those ships. It's a little combat platform. And then the real fight started between three armies. Yeah, and that was the point the uh, Wonder Arena. That's when Anthony showed up, and we had to re-describe what people looked like and were doing as he came on scene, because he, he shortcutted, uh, at the, oh yeah, at this point, Voyager Without showed up in your house and set up a Shadowland in the basement for easy access to the underworld. Oh right, he armed some of our soldiers with, like... Yeah, he armed some of your soldiers, so the Wanderer was able to shortcut in through the Shadowland in your basement. So and he was like, he was like, I don't like this. And yeah, he showed up on the fight in his new power armor, which is like Gonzosha armor or whatever from the first age. It was great. Uh, and then you guys fought the realm. There was like a bunch of dragon blooded, and you fucking waxed them. And... No, what happened was there was a bunch of fucking dragon blooded. I was trying my best, but goddamn, I was not a combat character. I was, I was trying, but I was about to die. I was being attacked by like a full circle at that point. So I used my special twilight power to let me uh, burn up in a blaze of glory. I pretended that I was being, like, I was dying at the time, so I would, like, throw them off. I was trying to, like, trick them. Uh, Wait, it didn't know what your animal It didn't work. Is. I didn't know they would know that, but whatever. I, I pretended that I was dying. I was like, ah! And, and I would burn up and disappear into ash or whatever. 
And the Kill Queen didn't know that was a lie. <laughs> Long story short, they beat the really, really stacked odds against them, uh, Wild Hunt. Got a bunch of loot from the Freed Artifact Squad that was the Dragonblooded. Didn't lose a single, single member of their cult, saved the day, and then started making peace, non-aggression pact talks of having sand. Um, and that happened. It doesn't matter. It just, it happened. Um, no one had to marry anyone. No one had to marry anyone, and Tim Curry lived. Yeah, and we forced a bunch of those, uh, of those, uh, hunters to, like, run away. Yeah, yeah. They didn't even find this right away. There were, there were survivors, including that one guy from the first wild hunt. He, he showed up and ran away again. And, uh, the that... was all like, no, the Majestic's dead. And then he showed up again. Yeah, and I was like, hey guys, and you're like, wait, what? Oh. That was season one, wasn't it? Yeah, I think that was I think anything else one. happened important. Quickly did we blow through that? No, it's like an hour. This, this podcast is like an hour, just just from describing the entire season. Uh, but yeah, but yeah that, was, that was basically it. Oh, real quick, because I don't want to make another podcast about season two. You missed like two sessions of season two, uh, listeners. It was, uh, they were doing a bunch of stuff in their mats. And, oh, shit, we gotta talk about, yeah, the end of season one. Sorry, listeners, I can't even edit this part, because it's too droning. But, Anthony brought back the shit he got from the Underworld, which was his power armor, the AI core, and the gauntlet full of obsidian. At which point, the Nightman was like, okay, I have to take that and destroy it, no one should touch that. And he basically explained the the vague concept of a Tokthon being ill, and his illness being contagious if you tried to use, like, knowledge and tools to examine it. So he's like, I'm going to take this really dangerous thing, because this, this artifact, this Hand of the Great Maker, was actually a separate part of one of Atokthon's Yoten bodies. And was like, that's what the Obsidian was, it was, like, part of his flesh. And he was like, I'm going to have to take this to somewhere to get it melted down, or, like, contain- contained, or, or sealed away, because this will cause havoc if people, like, try to study it. And you guys are basically all for that. Basically, yeah. Well, we were like, okay, well, first we're like, what the hell, let us come with you, and then he's like, well, no, because it might affect you, and we're like, okay, fair enough, well, let us help you, then, and he's like, no. No, he was like, sure. And we were like, let us help you, then, and he's like, no, we're like, we have a spaceship, and this guy can get you into heaven, and he's like, okay. Yeah, he was part of the planning stages. So Slum Mongrel and the Nightman took that flying saucer they commandeered from the realm and are using it to fly their way to a Yushan gate, to sneak into Yushan, to sneak into the Great Maker's uh, personal workshop that's been on lockdown since the first stage, and get rid of that hand. Just get rid of it. And uh, that was the last day they ever saw of the Nightman and Slum Mongrel. Yeah. After we rescued his dog, I sent him a dream to let him know. I'm sure they'll see But season two was they're dealing with the blowback from that. Uh, the blowback being that their city's going fine. Uh, the guild trade is going good. They have little problems to deal with. But Metroplex originally had given them a map of locations that might have VATS facilities, and that's what they wanted to track down to help Nightman. And with him gone, they're not going to be able to do that because they were just brought him along to get him there. But they decided basically out of spite, to go to one that's near the, the deep wild in the south uh, to show the Nightman that they could be trusted to go deal with dangerous locations on the map. Because the Nightman had implied that Metroplex was wrong, the, the location on the south wasn't um, 
wasn't uh, like a bath facility. It was something like autochthonian, but it, like he had to deal with it on his own. And if you listen to following a podcast, that area was where uh, his dog was, his his uh, machine spirit companion, Flender. So the, the two episodes you missed were they started to go into the deep wild and encountered a fair folk, and then they got to know Key and were basically trapped inside the, the reality bubble creation without knowing it, and just dicked around in uh, the kingdom of Noki. There was a lot of dicking around. A lot of dicking around. Uh, oh, and, and, and you kicked the shit out of Yoshi. Yes. But yeah. also she tried to sell him. That did happen. That was the important part. So... It actually is fairly important. It is. It is. I didn't say it wasn't. So that's season one, and like the two episodes of season two, you missed listeners. Uh, a bunch of shit happened. A bunch of shit. So let's talk about NPCs. This is this is going to be the group debate part. Probably the more interesting part of this podcast. The Nightman. To recap, the Nightman is a socio alchemical. No chemical is a type of egg salt made by the great maker of Tothon, the guy who basically invented the concept of exaltations and gave the gods the weapons to rise up against the Titans. You know, his own siblings. Because the Tothon is the equivalent of the Columbine shooter. Oh yeah, we're going there. Uh, if you want to know more, please comment on our web zone <laughs> about us using the Columbine shooter in a uh, imagination game reference. We'll mail you a pizza roll. We'll mail you pizza oh, rolls. We'll mail you bottles of Soylent. This episode is sponsored by Soylent 2.0. <laughs> um... So, the Nightman is an alchemical of the Great Maker. He was left behind during the First Age when the Great Maker left creation behind and took a bunch of his followers. Uh, they were there basically to set up a work to, to watch the First Age and if... Or, well, not the First Age, but watch creation, and if it was safe enough for Tarkon to come back, they were to send out a signal using the, the installation he built uh, what, what, under what would become Lookshy uh, to tell him that it's okay to come through. And instead, at the height of usurpation, they sabotaged it, ripped it apart, and set the important pieces as far away from Lookshy as possible. Uh, so the Nightman's basically, his, his character arc is he spent every day since the First Age to now wandering around uh, defending mortals when he could, because his whole purpose is to keep people safe. He's basically a police officer or a detective or, like, a, like an enforcer. And just, you know, help people where they need it. It's always done. And, uh, <laughs> you know, it's run, it's run him ragged to the point where all of his, most of his charms no longer function, because he uses them as soak for, uh, crippling blows. Uh, he doesn't have any materials left. He's run down, and, you know, he has a lot of PTSD, because alchemicals are people. So if you're a person and you have multiple millennia of war experience, you know, a Transformers level of war experience, it's going to screw you up. Uh, so yeah. Also, the Nightman has shown many times that he, A, knows the Countess. He knew the Countess back in the day, because the Countess is a Dragon King, and she has continuity between lifetimes. Uh, so he knew her. And he knew this circle. He, he knew maybe one or two incarnations of this entire circle uh, from when he was made to now. And he he does not trust them. Um, like, he, he'll, he'll hang out with them, he'll be civil, but he'll often hide information or, or not bring it up. Or he'll he'll sometimes, when asked, he'll be very judgmental about their actions. You know, stuff like letting the Countess sacrifice people willingly uh, on an altar. 
doesn't like that. He thinks that's wrong. And he didn't even say it was wrong. He just said to the killer queen, she asked if letting people be sacrificed as living sacrifices to the unconquered and strip away from their families and stuff was wrong. He was like, what do you think? Guess what his opinion on it was. And he was like, what do you think? Does this sound right? And you were like, yes. What? No, I immediately, <laughs> <laughs> I immediately went to the countess and threatened her with murder if she didn't stop. Did you write it down? Was it murder you wrote? Should I start writing things down on him with a knife? So, uh, Kevin thinks the, the Nightman's amazing, probably because it's his ally and the dude's a cool guy. He's righteous and thinks about justice and doesn't like murder spells. Nicole, on the other hand, uh, tends to get a little choice wordy about the Nightman when he comes up. Let's talk about that. Nicole, defend your opinion. Oh, God. <laughs> uh, all we want to do is help him and do the same thing he's doing, except for because he's always keeping information from us and treating us like we're garbage, uh, we can never do that. So instead, it's just super frustrating. It's like, if you would have just told us what was happening, then we could have helped, but instead you're being an asshole about it. Especially that time when he was fighting, um, Wanderer. Not a lot of evidence to support your viewpoint. Uh, with everything he's ever said or done. What has he said or done? Uh, that the Wanderer should feel like shit forever because he couldn't save his village, even though he was just a mortal person and did his very best and, you know, still saved a lot of people from the village. Eight people? Eight people out of 50 is a pretty lot considering he was just a mortal up against a bunch of undead and also an infernal or abyssal. abyssal. Unexalted. Yeah. He but, did pretty darn good and did his best. Oh, what? So doing your best is good enough? Yeah, that's all you can do. Why should he be depressed and hate himself forever for something he had no control over? But he doesn't even feel a little bit bad about that outwardly. He's sad that they died, but it's not his fault they died, so he shouldn't feel bad about it. Shouldn't it be his responsibility? He was their wanderer, their protector before he exalted. No, Nightman, just because you have survivors killed doesn't mean everyone should have survivors killed. Maybe you guys would be so fucking shitty if you had a little bit more survivor's guilt. Remember the time you murdered your dad? You know what? Yeah, and I was a dick. And also, Nightman doesn't know about that. And I also, he's not technically a But yeah. No, you don't think that he has a little bit of reason not to trust you guys, considering that as soon as you guys exalted, it went from normal, happy, shiny people to. Blood, Mayan sacrifices, and like normal, happy, <laughs> shiny people. Yeah, yeah, that's what it was like. Okay, so Wanderer was a hero in town who wandered around eating stuff, and he's still that exact same person. So for now, he has more power. The Killer Queen was this like hedonistic cult leader who was all about self worship. Uh, who exalted and decided to instead unite the world and stuff. So, you know, she definitely got better when she exalted. I, I don't know. I would... <laughs> Even Kevin doesn't think that, that the Killer Queen got better. I think better. she's a more flawed than that. I think her uh, intentions are a lot less, uh... Literally, she's trying, but at the same time. And, and what happened to Majestic when he exalted? What, what immediately happened when uh, he when took on the exalted, mantle of the Unconquered? When the Majestic exalted... He got rid of a slaver. Uh, <laughs> oh, is that how we're phrasing it? 
Is that how we're going with this? <laughs> he got rid of a slaver. Uh, so adopted he, an old kitten. Uh, yeah, actually adopted a bunch of children and shit from the fucking village. Not adopted, but you know, took over their. Care. I think the old kitten like the countess. Uh, set up schools for people to read. Set up hospitals. Yeah, actually. What about all those human sacrifices you personally do? What about all the cannibalism? I'm not going to tell people they can't do what they want. What am I, a slave master? (laughs) What about the cannibalism? What? That's honoring their sacrifice. (laughs) (laughs) Plus, we don't even do that anymore, so whatever. It happened yesterday. It happened, like, so long ago. It happened to criminals. You know what? Who can even say what really happened? Because... <laughs> it was yes. It was yesterday. The countess was like, "Hey, you want to eat this child heart?" And you're like, "You bet." What did the child do? And he, she was like, "Heretic." Dude, not children. Don't even. And then she shows you a picture of him, and the child's like, uh, like a, he's wearing like his parents' skin on his face and stuff. And it was like a Yosi worshiper. Well, shit. And then you ate that heart. Yeah, now it's okay. Why why wasn't it okay before? (laughs) Because the child knew no sin? (laughs) Does sin taste good to you and your sacrifices? (laughs) Okay, legit, we don't even eat the hearts anymore or anything. It's still happening! You never said that. You're still being sacrificed. And you're still being served up. They're still beating bloody hearts. It's part of your daily routine. Okay, well, I was aware of that as a character. Because they're willingly sacrificing themselves to you and you love doing that. You love your character loves doing that. Yeah, when it was like willing sacrifices of not criminals. Well you only just recently learned what they were. Fair enough. Sacrifices were still coming through. Either way. So the nightman's the bad guy. <laughs> so you enjoyed it more when it was willing but innocent people. Yeah. But now they're tainted with, you know, very gauche sin. <laughs> it's unfashionable. Well, I just don't want to eat their hearts. I mean, they should still be sacrificed or whatever. <laughs> so the nightman has some problems with the idea of you guys being in charge of all of humanity again. And I don't know where he gets it from. <laughs> Like, <laughs> how do you have anything to say? One thing he's very evasive about is uh, the queen continually pesters him about what they were like in previous lives to make him distrust them. Like, I think he has that is straight, right. He has straight up said that that one of the reasons he distrusts them is because of our past lives. He does. He 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 actually holds you responsible for the actions of previous incarnations. And I'm like, bitch, that wasn't even me. Which is bullshit, because in creation, you can be held responsible for your previous incarnations. That's how, yes. that's how reality works. <laughs> and yeah. Like, wasn't even but he is, like, infuriatingly, uh... Evasive. Evasive. He is exactly what we did. He's incredibly evasive about how you acted in the first age, and he's also incredibly evasive about how he knows the Killer Queen, and what exactly his role in the usurpation was. Mm-hmm. For that matter, so is the Countess. Did I say Killer Queen when I meant to say Countess? He did yes. before. Yeah, he knows the Countess, and they both had roles in the usurpation, and they were both very evasive about those roles were, because they know each other. Um, the Majestic actually thinks that the Killer Queen basically put herself in the cryostasis. Countess. Countess. Put herself in the ca- cryostasis uh, because of the usurpation. She's like, no, my masters are gone. I have to, like, 
freeze myself, maybe they'll come back one day. She actually, this version of her enlightened in the uh, Shogunate era. She died during the usurpation, just beforehand. Yeah, so he's like, yeah, you know, the usurpation happened, she died defending us. She thought it would um, blow over and you guys would be back. Yeah. And then she woke up in Raphnus, which was a little more, like, it wasn't destroyed, it was just a little more closed off, because the dragon-blooded Shogun had left it alone in Raphnus' school of the Dragon Society. And they're like, well, I guess our time is done. And then before the recantation blew on through, she went into cryosleep. That's her story. Ooh. So I'm not saying that the Nightman's a bad person. I'm not saying the Nightman's completely not blameless. He's a bad person. He's just really annoying and mis- unhelpful. You know how you were talking the other day about how Limit Break is like, that moment in a, in a movie where, like, they, if one little thing would have went differently, everything would have been great. His, like, entire everything is like that. If I should just, like, provide a little bit more information, be a little less abrasive, we'd be, like, best friends. He's a great dude. But instead, he's a dick all the time. All so the I time. Think- he's cordial. He congratulated the Wanderer when the Wanderer destroyed ceaselessly falling devastation and stuff. And, like... You know, he was apo- He was almost apologetic about how, how out of control he got in the fight. So, talking about the Nightman's character, let's talk a bit about alchemicals and their quote-unquote great curse. Alchemicals aren't cursed or anything, but they do have a, a issue with their makeup, and it's called clarity. Uh, the more alchemicals install holy charms to a Tokfon into their body, the higher their essence gets, and the less time they spend among mortals, the higher clarity goes. And clarity basically makes their personality and their minds resonate with the way a talkman would think. So they become more detached, they become more logical, and they become more like machines. And they're not evil, you know, they're more like data, less like lore. From TNG. Um, so the Nightman, you know, he had spent the last few centuries uh, not really attracting much with humanity, except to rush in, save them here and there, and then to go back to wandering around from direction to direction. So he only really started hanging out with humanity and burning his clarity down when he was hanging out with the group. And that came to a head at the at the martial arts tournament when, you know, after centuries of not thinking about all of the people he's lost, all of the people he's failed and let down, the usurpation, the consequences of the world almost ending, how he might have failed the Great Maker, killing his circle mate or his assembly mate, you know, the, the or Chalcom cast Optimus, he cared about him. That dude was his mentor. And he killed him in cold blood, you know, to try and save what he thought would have been a better version of the world. And you know what? Maybe he turned out to be wrong, he thinks. So he has problems. Huge, damaged personality problems. And he does He probably shouldn't be keeping as much information from you as, as he does. He probably shouldn't hold you responsible for your past lives. But he does. He's fucked up. Maybe he'll be better when he gets back. Maybe if he goes to a VATS facility, all the personality flaws that have come up in him that are, that are holding him back will be purged, and he'll be fixed. Yeah, we really need to deal with that when he comes back. It's, uh, it's kind of important. Yeah. Let's talk about Limit Break before we move on to Void Within Without uh, very briefly. Um, so, Limit Break, uh, people don't seem to under-fucking-stand what Limit Break actually is in Exalted now. Uh, in the first two editions, it was all over the place, but it's very succinct in third. The, what they want it to be is amazing. So think back to a book or a movie or a TV series or like a video game where you have a character that doesn't get along with the main cast and they could get along, 
like uh, Harry Potter with Snape and just Snape being okay and hanging out with Lily and Co. until he did that one thing where they never hung out with him again. That kind of shit. The moment when the characters could, it could have all gone right and everything could have been fine, but it doesn't and it spirals out of control and something terrible happens. When Harry saw that his dad was a bully and instead of being like, yeah, my dad was a bully, he's a dick, and Snape being like, yes, he is, bonding moment. Instead it was like, you saw my memory, and then he's like, ah, oh, you're being mean. And then there's still evil to be Yes. That's exactly what it was. Or the moment where Harry could have just fucking told people about Malfoy instead of uh, using a murder spell on him. Well, that was hilarious. It was hilarious. Sectum Semperans. Uh, just moments like those. When you limit break, that's those moments. You know, where it could have all gone right and everything would have been fine, and at the worst possible fucking moment, it goes sideways, and you react in a way that's just that just destroys uh, the ability to reconcile. When you accrue up to ten limit and you go into a break, that's when those moments happen. You know, they don't happen for like, you know, for no good reason. They don't just kind of happen, and you have to run to the desert screaming. They wait. When you hit limit ten, it waits and it holds itself, and then it happens and tears apart everything you would work for for that scene. And that's the cool version of limit break. Any thoughts? No, I like it. Yeah. So, um, this is going to be very relevant next session. It is, because you guys are all like limit seven or whatever, and you're all about to review. Is this actually not that high? It'll get there. Okay. It's all going to start cascading together. Uh, Voting for without. Creepy little necromancer kid you guys picked up and have him in your basement. Thoughts? Really hard to say much about him. We have not interacted with him all that much. He just gives his input, you know, I think last session, or last podcast we talked to you guys really don't, haven't reached out to him quite yet, but that okay. can change. Mm. Alright, alright, uh, Admiral Sand. Uh, so what Nicole did as the Majestic to make sure Admiral Sand and everyone was going to get along is he made an artifact, Ark of the Covenant, that was a, that was a freezer, and then he made a bunch of really delicate, delicacy chocolate ice cream balls and wrapped them in, like, little thin gold foil, and sent, like, a ton of those in that Ark of the Covenant to Admiral Sands as a gift. How can we get them from the Yetum, cattles, uh, Yetum, camels. Also, I don't even know if they're camels. actually, uh, made with, um, a lot of milk. Probably a lot, too. A lot more, like, um, water and stuff, probably. Because you have water everywhere, but mostly have milk. You probably have milk from Yetums. They're just around. Yet- they're, like, uh, Yetums are, like, like, imagine an elephant, but if the elephant was a goat. That sounds amazing and also horrifying. They're like mega ram goat elephants. Uh, better, you know, they're yetums. Instead of elephants, you have yetums. They're they're woolly. They have big ram horns, I think, and they're wide. Yetums do all the heavy lifting, basically, in uh, that that you'd have like horses or elephants do. Oh yeah, they're kind of like tauntauns actually, but like big and dire. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, that's what Nicole did. She she invented ice cream uh, for Aero shares, and now the weapons and stuff too. Yeah, and drugs and stuff. But yeah. but she also keeps making them at the base. And now what's started to happen is you'll notice this in sessions. Um, people will hang out around the majestic and like praise him even more and hang out with him even more and like be really really nice and like try to impress him because he just starts passing these things out and no one's had you know sweets like this ever and everyone's just losing their goddamn minds because they want more. More and more and more because they're really good. I mean, imagine going your entire life without chocolate and learning about chocolate. 
and staring over him. Like Cat Harry. I don't think the ones she no, does is drugs. No, the have like two normal people are just ice cream. Yeah, it's I, just candy. I happen to know that apples have lots of drugs, so I slice some of Fizzle's drugs. I use that as an ingredient and, you know, made really good ice cream out of it. I'm a really good cook, so I'm assuming it's, like, really good. The so Majestic can do, like, artifact-level cooking and stuff. It's amazing. Yeah. This is more like... Look, now there's snowballs. <laughs> uh, so yeah, like, people just freaking out wanting chocolate from Majestic. Admiral Sand. What do you guys think about Admiral Sand? Uh, I remember uh, Killer Queen hating him. Uh, Killer Queen liked him, didn't she? And then he hated him. She was impressed by him, but at the same time, she was irritated that uh, their deal at the end was basically just, you give me shit, and I don't attack you. Yeah, and he lets your caravans free. He doesn't have the guild caravans and stuff. At the time, it was literally just, I don't attack you. Like, there was none of that care on fish or anything. There was no mention of protection. I think it's because we didn't get into specifics, but he was like, this yeah, is what so, it's going to be. Yeah, so at the time, it was like... felt more like a surrender after all that. <laughs> Especially since the only thing keeping us from killing him right there was like, oh yeah, I have more of an army waiting. Did you really think you could kill him there? Do you think you didn't even do... You didn't even hit him that entire match. I wasn't trying to. He wasn't going to let you. I wasn't trying to. <laughs> Was the wild man showed up? We never really got into a fight after that. The wild man showed up, and then he's like, "Oh, okay, bye." Yeah, I'm not getting involved in this. I'm gonna attack whoever survives. <laughs> I'm a yeah. pragmatist. But you know, then I sent him the ice creams and stuff, and I'm like, "He loves those ice creams." And I'm creams. like, "Peace treaty." And he's like, "Oh my fucking god, please more ice cream." You definitely need to keep saying him ice cream. Okay. You know. It's going to be great. He'll love that. He'll just be like, this is what I want now. I don't care about the other deal. This is the thing. <laughs> um. Any other characters to talk about? Not really. The Majestic, um. Countess? Well, I was just going to say for, uh, for this guy we are just talking about, though. He doesn't want to be around this person. Because she tried to sell me to this person. And he wanted to me to be sold. So I'm just like, I'm just going to... Who was going to sell it? You were going to come down to hell and be his bride. Yeah, she was... Yeah, I don't know why you keep phrasing it as selling. I've never heard to sell you for money. I'm well, not for money, but you're trying to marry me off. You're, you're being... That's like, how the world works. I'm like an overbearing mother. I'm, I'm not like some slave master selling you people. I'm like, yeah. You Sons and daughters are married off for political game. It's, it's creation. No. It's super uh, normal. The reason I phrase it as uh, selling me is because it comes across as you offering me as an object that they can have. Uh, you know, it doesn't seem like you're trying to match me. It sounds. It seems like you're trying to like. Okay, that's hey, literally what it is. Yeah, an exalted. It's like, also, hey, it's always with like royalty or like rich people. That's how arranged marriages among royalty work. You're traded as an object. Yeah, that's unacceptable. You you don't like that people are objectified. <laughs> I don't like it that people are treating me like a property. They're literally treating you like royalty. They're treating me like a property. Which is treating you like royalty. I've never been royalty. I have been property. They're treating me like property. Fair enough. No, fair enough. Yeah. It's like, no, if I'm going to get with people, I'm going to get with them. Uh, Other people don't get to make these decisions for me. Yeah, I'll just start marrying off. No, like, it's, like, out of character, I think it's hilarious, like, it's... It's amazing. It's right on point for the characters and stuff, but, like, 
like in character, he just doesn't get it. He just doesn't get it. But, yeah, that's what it, for Echo said. We really haven't interacted with him since then. Yeah. Yeah, he's kind of a non-enemy. He's over there. Mm-hmm. Are you going to invite Admiral Sand to your big showcase thing? Yes. Aw, oh, this is going to be amazing. All our allies. Oh my god. She's like, she's probably going to get you to like send a message to uh to uh, the Nightman as well as like, you have to get back to this. I can't. Yeah, that's just not how it works. The Nightman is gone until he's back. That's well, okay. that's not the well, that's not the reason it doesn't work. But it's because I've already sent him a message. I can't send him another message until I interact with him again. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. so the spell resets. Yeah. You can send it to Slumber. Okay. He's like, I have the weirdest fucking dream. What was it? I don't remember. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, totally gonna invite that time for that. It's going to be awesome. All right, well, I think that's the end of this podcast. Okay. There's nothing to talk about. We've already talked about her. And you know what? There's going to be a lot of talking about her and things being revealed next session. Yeah. There's going to be just an exchange of things happening if this goes just as badly as we all think it's going to go. It's going to be glorious. So I want to give another shout out to the Exalted Forum, uh, to Lania, this fucking guy. Did the third edition conversion of Dragon Kings. Nice! Right? I just, just converted it and the paths. Oh, and right now, half of the Dragon King martial arts are done. Wow. Fucking half of them. So that's um, three different types of exalted that are have been translated for uh, Lunars. Thanks to um, fucking uh, Sandax 6 and Lania, we have Solars, uh, Alchemicals, and Dragon Kings right now. Lunars aren't done. Uh, whoever the fuck was doing Lunars just stopped. So, whatever. That's okay. That's fine. Uh, but yeah, that's three distinct character options, along with mortals if you... Hate why? yourself. If you hate yourself. Why are mortals even an option? Like, this is a world of darkness. Why would you want to play an old mortals game in Like, I'm not saying it's a terrible game idea. I'm just like, this is not the venue. There's a venue for playing, you know, a group of people. It's called playing exalts. You know, I guess you could make the argument, why would you want to play Dragon Kings? I mean, if you're going to play, like... No, because Dragon Kings fit really well into the Exalted Purview, because they're uh, they're Land of the Lost. They're Sleestacks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Whatever that word is. Sleestacks. They're the, the villain from Land of the Lost. They're, they're lizard people that control the government. Oh, but, like, okay. like in the past, the Sleestacks were intelligent super people, and in Land of the Lost, they're being hunted by lizard people in the forest who are trying to eat them, and you, they find an intelligent Sleestack, and he's like, these aren't my tribal ancestors, these are the future of my race, this is what happened after the apocalypse! Shit. Okay. And that's exactly what Dragon Kings are. You know, the, the feral monsters in the forest that are eating people, that are, like, you know, pterodactyl people and, and raptor people, that's not the, the the past of the Dragon Kings, that's their future right now, because the apocalypse happened. Mm. So they are they are right on the fucking nose. Yeah, mortals. It's like the rules for having mortals before the exalt is. You know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna talk about this. All right. It's a mistake for exalted to treat every exalt type as a template to be added, like in World of Darkness, um, because they're not. They're fundamentally different across all the exalt types. Like, sure. The person who was who wasn't a lunar and wasn't a solar were mortals beforehand, but in the concept of a narrative, the guy who was going to lunar exalt was always going to lunar exalt. There was never a time in the inception of that character that he wasn't going to be a lunar. Same with the dude who was going to be a solar. And Dragonblood, if they're bred to be Dragonblood, they'll eventually become Dragonblood through puberty. 
So the inclusion of, of the rules for mortals and then you add on like a template uh, uh, chips away at, at, in my opinion, of that kind of like like larger narrative myth arc. Like, like the idea that you have a legend about you. Because the story of like, I don't know, Ajax or Hercules wasn't some guy took on the mantle of Hercules and then he was Hercules. It was, this is Hercules' entire story from start to finish. You know, it was always about Hercules. There's never a time where he wasn't himself. So, like, I, I, I'm not saying that the games where you play mortals that then exalt to a random exalt that you either picked ahead of time or one that the story hill gave you are bad or wrong or bad wrong or whatever. I'm just saying keeping those in this edition and, and pushing it towards where, where every exalt um, is, 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 a, is a skin you put over mortals defeats the purpose of telling an epic myth, because your character is supposed to be the way he was even before he exalted. Exaltation didn't change him. Exaltation made his story come to the forefront. It's always his story. <coughs> Do you guys kind of get what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah. So, like, yeah. Mortals are pointless for, for the story Exalted tells, because Exalted isn't we all play in the sandboxy game world where stuff's going on. The Exalted is, this is the legend of the Wanderer. You know, this is this is the epic of Gilgamesh. This is the story of the Majestic and his killer queen. <laughs> yeah, that, that's how they phrase it. It fits together. That's that's what Exalted is. Exalted is not. A bunch of adventurers go adventuring as guild guardsmen, and then they all become solars, infernals, sidereals, and uh, and one of them gets brought back as an alchemical, and now they go and like rob rat sellers and nexus for money. That's not what exalted is. To me, anyway. Yeah, I'm sure. Whatever. I'm gonna end on that 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 thought. You know, comment in the comment section. Tell us how uh, wrong we are. And if there are no comments, we're going to assume that everyone, including the developers, tacitly agree with our worldview of Exalted. Uh, in a legally binding way. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll have the contract shipped out. No, no, this is a verbal contract. There's no shipping. It's the internet age. We'll get a developer's credit in the corpus. I'm sure that'll happen, yes. Well, we'll sue if they don't. Because they stole our idea. Uh, if there are no comments in the comment section. Not that we're desperate or anything. We're, uh, mm, whatever, I don't care. I think there's... You know what's... No, no, it's fine. I'll cut this part. This part here. And this part. And the part after. You're gonna stop the recording.